We started this summer break series uh, just to encourage you, challenge you, and remind you not to allow the summer culture or not to allow uh, uh, just the idea of summer vacation or the vacation culture to get in the way of the next steps of your faith. Uh, Could you see the summer of 2018 being the summer that you grew in Christ and didn't take a step back? And so we wanted to challenge you for the last two weeks of the first week we talked about summer break in and we talked about breaking in holy habits this summer. Uh, We talked about studying the scriptures this summer. Uh, Would you be challenged to be devoted to the scriptures this summer like never before? And you can go back to the podcast and we teach you what to read, how to read, why to read the scriptures. And I think you'd really enjoy that. The second thing we asked you to be devoted to this summer is devoted to genuine Christian community, uh, to be devoted to the body of of Christ. And, uh, and so we invited you to, to take a walk into this summer look and say, you know what, I want to I explore what it means to have solid Christian friends. I want to be attached to the body of Christ uh, this summer. And today we're going to switch gears just a little bit, uh, well a lot, and we're going to go from breaking in to breaking through. Uh, because not only is it my prayer for you uh, that you would grow this summer, but my prayer is that you would experience victory in some of your greatest difficult battles battles this summer. Um, my, I, want, I, I just want to speak over some of you right now that are just going through it. We'll, I, I believe, and I want to pray alongside of you, that this summer you're going to see breakthrough in some of those areas you've never seen breakthrough before. And so before I get into the scriptures this morning, um, I want to I ask you what I want you to think about this question. And the question is this, is there any area in your life right now that still remains resistant to the Lord's words? Is there any area in your life right now that it, there's a tension between what God says and what you believe? And I'll say another question. Maybe it's not you, but maybe it's someone that you love dearly that you're fighting for, but the battle is taking its toll on you. What is that? Who is that? And I'm going to pray for you, but can you just take a moment? Maybe you can answer that in your heart. What's the tension inside of me? What is it that's resistant to what God wants to do next? Or who am I fighting for in this season? And that battle is taking a toll on me. Let's pray. Father, your word is truth. And we are sanctified by your truth. We are washed and made clean by your truth, your word. And so I just pray for anybody out there today that is experiencing a tension, a battle, an anxiety, a stressor, whether it's inside of them or someone close to them. I pray today, Holy Spirit, that you would speak and that you would empower and that this summer for this congregation would not only be a summer of growth in Christ, but of victory in warfare. And so I ask that you would just bless uh, me as I speak your word. And I pray that you would translate Holy Spirit, the word in each and every heart and mind in here this morning. And we ask these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 2. I'm going to jump right into this. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And I'm going to read three verses, uh, verses 3 through 6. And if you don't have it in your Bibles or your Bible app, you can follow online here on the boards with us. And it reads like this. 
For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power. I'm going to get cliche to, to destroy everyone say strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. I want to start this morning's message off by giving, by giving to you three remarks. So let me make the first remark regarding spiritual warfare and strongholds. We must be careful not to exchange biblical understanding for superstitious practices. What do I mean by that? I've seen some make spiritual warfare look more occult and new age than New Testament. Christian warfare, believe it or not, looks nothing like Hollywood, y'all. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? You got that wooden cross and, you know, usually it's some demon possessed. Ah, right. The, every time the ah, and you're throwing out holy water and every time the holy water. Ah, right almost as if there's some sort of vampire and so you got somebody praying and you might even have a bucket of water now I admire and understand the concept behind what's trying to be done I've seen some weird things we can talk about secondly we must not are you ready for this mistakenly maximize Satan while minimizing human responsibility Uh, this is not to deny the devil's part. He definitely is a part, but he definitely didn't make you do it. Amen. The devil made me do it. No, no, that's not true. I've heard leaders, I've heard members, I've heard people say, well, you know what? I just, this started to happen and it was the, and I'm just like, no, that was your flesh. And let's correctly identify what is what. And let's take responsibility for sin and the sin nature and, the, and those things that so easily ensnare us in our lives. Um, that's part of repentance. Now, this is really important. Satan is not God's counterpart. Did you know that? He's not God's formidable foe. You know, it's like God is equally as powerful. And then Satan is like this formidable opponent. Uh, I want you to know that Satan is on a leash. He's God's dog. And God gives him permission. This is going to mess your theology up a little bit, too. I want you to know this. God is giving him permission. Which means that as a Christian, even an attack conforms you into the image of Christ. And so whether things are at its best or at its worst, God is in control. Easier said than done. Amen. Easier said than done. But all things work together. Right? For the good, for those who are called according to what? To the purposes and the call of God. And so if you are a Christian, you are secure and knowing, even if the world is falling apart, God is in control. Which means it's not really, it's not really falling apart. There's something taking place inside of you and you just have to trust the Lord. Amen? Are you with me? Number three. Are you ready for number three? Skepticism is equally as dangerous as fanaticism. 
We must not be ignorant to the devil's schemes. Satan's influence and his demonic hosts are very real and very much active in our world right now. And so even though I'm calling you not to be superstitious, I'm also calling you not to deny there is very real demonic influence in our world. Amen. And so for the rest of today's message, I'm just going to answer six questions regarding spiritual warfare and strongholds. Now, if you're taking notes, here are the six questions, and we probably will have them up for you, but I'm going to read them out to you. Question number one, what is the nature of spiritual warfare? Question number two, where does this warfare primarily take place? Question number three. What is a stronghold? Question number four. How do we tear strongholds down? Question number five. Where did this war begin? And finally, we'll finish on question number six. What's the key to victory? Obviously, I've been watching a lot of playoff basketball for that number six. What is the key to victory? Amen. Defense. <laughs> No turnovers and get a rebound, right? My gosh. On the offensive glass, just box out anyway. I, that's another sermon series, amen? Uh, so let's get into the first question. What is the nature of spiritual warfare? Well, if you go back to our opening uh, uh, verse, Paul says, Though we walk in the flesh... We are not waging war according to the flesh. You know what he's saying? In other words, our battles happen in invisible places. You see, we have a tendency to perceive reality based upon our senses, don't we? If we can see it, if we can touch it, if we can taste it, if we can smell it, if we can hear it, then it must be real. But even non-believers would agree that there are battles such as depression, addiction, anxiety, and fear, just to name a few, that are all unseen realities that occur in unseen places. There is warfare taking place in places and areas that we can't see, touch, feel, smell, taste, or hear. And so the nature of our warfare is that it's invisible. And so naturally, the next question that follows is, well, where does it take place then? Now, we have to be careful because you and I, and I put myself there, maybe not you, but me, I tend to be attracted to the fantastic, right? Which means sometimes, are you ready for this? We can become preoccupied with angels and demons battling out in epic high place battles. Now, can I caution you? There are even some Christian teachers out there that present some wild theories and they teach them like they're facts. Can I just give you a little rule of thumb for me? What God hasn't talked about I don't talk about. I could speculate. You and I can sit down and have some awesome wild dialogue, but we're going to make sure that it stays within the framework of scripture. But I try not to teach and preach and go deep into realms and spirits because God didn't say that. In fact, here's what God says. You know what? There, that exists, but stay away from that. 
Because there are some of us that become too fascinated with that because God knows that the fascination of that draws us in. And before you know you're Christian and something else, that's called syncretism. You start marrying together these different beliefs and thought processes and you start teaching things as if God said he didn't say anything on that matter. We just know there is a spirit realm. There are demons. There are angels. Every once in a while in the Bible, we get a little glimpse. The veil opens up. We see a little bit, but then it closes and we, we see it and we can look and we can speculate, but we're careful not to be fascinated by something that God didn't talk about. Human speculation is a problem. Are you with me on that? Now, according to Ephesians, some of you might bring up Ephesians, and I agree with you. We do war against demons and principalities in high places, and that is another lesson. But here's what I want to tell you. The invisible warfare Paul is referring to here in 2 Corinthians is not happening in the sky someplace, but it's occurring in your mind, right between your ears. Right now, warfare is taking place. Right now. And I don't want to over-spiritualize this, but even right now, as I preach the word of God, it's coming against things in your mind. Your mind is a battleground. And are you ready for this? It's not demons you're conflicting with. It's strongholds. So, question number three, what is a stronghold? Are you ready for this? Take this. Take note of this. Here's what a stronghold is, according to Paul. They are thoughts, opinions, and arguments that oppose the will, work, and word of God in my life. They are thoughts. They are opinions. They are arguments that oppose the word, the work, and the will of God in my life. I'm going to give you two practical examples of what this look, looks like, okay? Number one, they are worldviews. Anybody ever heard of the phrase worldview? They're worldviews. And number two is they are attitudes. Worldviews and attitudes. Strongholds are worldviews and attitudes. Let me describe to you what a worldview is. A worldview is a more structured, organized system of beliefs that help you make sense of the world around you. Think of all the isms that are out there. Atheism, materialism, Darwinism, humanism, secularism. Uh, Those things are worldviews. There are all different types of worldviews. And can I tell you something? They are more powerful than we think. Many of us in here have adopted worldviews even subconsciously. Some of us are still seeing life and making decisions that reflect something our favorite professor in junior college told us 20 years ago. Are you with me? Some of you, your worldview is based on CNN and Fox News. So a worldview is a structure, a system of beliefs or an organized structure of beliefs that help you make sense of the world around you. Amen? An attitude is more personal. (laughs) Um, You know, worry can be a stronghold. Did you know seeking the approval of others is a huge stronghold? (laughs) Anything that you make an idol in your life is a stronghold. Fear is a stronghold. Guilt is a stronghold. Resentment 
is a stronghold. Insecurity are all strongholds that don't occur in some off realm, but occur right here in your mind. Can I give you a basic illustration real quick of what a stronghold is? I, I, I'm going to give you a basic illustration. A stronghold is basically a core conviction or value that you have. Amen? Are you with me? All right, so let's take atheism, for, for instance. What's the core conviction there? God does not exist. Right? You got it? So think about it this way. I'm going to write, God doesn't exist, and then I'm going to circle it. That is your conclusion. Now, that's your stronghold. Now, here's why it's a stronghold. It's not just the core conviction or a belief, but that core conviction, that belief is surrounded by reasons. All right, so you see that circle that I drew around that? So God doesn't exist. I draw a circle around it. And then imagine someone drawing a square surrounding that circle. And that square is made up of reasons. So what are some reasons that I would believe that God doesn't exist? Well, number one, there's no evidence, right? He's a figment of the imagination of the weak. Uh, if there was a God, why would certain things take place? You see that? So there is no God is my core conviction, and it is boxed in by my reasons. You guys are with me? Okay. Shake your head if you're with me. Okay. Finally, we're not done yet. Those reasons become fortified by experiences. You see that? You see what's happening? All of a sudden, what's being created is a nice little fort, Fort Knox. Try to break into Fort Knox, baby. You can't. All the gold's in there, and it is surrounded, and it is fortified, and it is guarded. And so atheism is in a Fort Knox, and it is surrounded by reasons that are fortified by experiences. So what do I mean by experiences? Perhaps the experience could be, well... When I was younger, I prayed to God that he would heal my mother of cancer and she died. So therefore, there's no what? God. Because if there was a God, she, he would have answered my prayer. See, that? there's an experience. Are you with me? How about this? When I was younger, I was taken advantage of. I was sexually abused by a so-called Christian. A pastor took advantage of me. Do you see that? I hate God because I hate those that represent him. And so here you go. You ready for the stronghold? It's a core value, a core belief, a core conviction. It's in circle or it's in squared up. It's fortified by reasons and it's surrounded by experiences. And what you have is an individual who will sit down and be opposed to the work, will, and God because they are submitted to a stronghold, a thought, an opinion, or a reason that exalts itself against the word of God. Are you guys with me this morning? I want to make sure I broke that down because I realized a lot of words there. Guess what, Christians? You are not immune. So you're like, I'm good. Nope, that's a stronghold. <laughs> and I'm just going to take last week's sermon just to use it as a real quick thing. You know, like, I don't need community. That's your core conviction. I could be a Christian and not hang out with other Christians. I don't need community to be a healthy follower of Christ, Pastor Phil. I know you're talking to everybody else, but not me, right? There it is. That's your stronghold. And what's your reason? Well, I'm an introvert. I'm an introvert. Uh, it makes me uncomfortable to be around people. And what's your experience? Well, the last time I went to a small group, <laughs> nobody talked to me. Do you see that? And so it's simple. It's not too big of a deal. It's not demons and all these different things. But it is a truth you're holding on to that is contrary to what the word of God is calling you to. 
You with me on that? How about this? I don't like Pastor Phil. <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't like Pastor Phil. I just put that in the circle. And here's my reason. He's rude. <laughs> He's a rude guy. And here's my experience. A couple of weeks ago, he made a fun of people who like to go to Disneyland. <laughs> right? How about this? He walked right past me after church and didn't say hello twice. He was, I was driving in and he was walking in and he didn't even wave and I waved at him. Little do you know, I can't see nobody through their windows when they drive in. I'd be waving. You know what I do as a pastor now? It's just wisdom. I wave at everybody. People staying at the hotel, I'm just like, ah, I don't even know who you are. If you wave at me while you're driving in, I'm going to wave and not know who you are because I can't see through your window anyways. And if you're driving my car, it's probably dirty and so it's doubly, there's a stronghold there. Surrounded by reasons, fortified by experiences. Strongholds aren't demons or a legion of demons, but they're ideas that influence our thinking and produce behaviors that keep us from trusting some aspect of God's word for our lives. That's a lot. Now that we know what a stronghold is, the question becomes, how do we tear strongholds down? Uh, the simple answer is by accessing and wielding the right weaponry. We have weapons for our warfare. That's what Paul tells us. In fact, he says, the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you six weapons that I believe will help you pull down strongholds in your life. Six weapons. And I'm going to do it as quickly as I can. Weapon number one. And some of you, you're waiting for this mind-blowing spiritual, like, mm, this is going to be good. Now we're going to get to all the secret things. And you're going to hear it and you're like, okay. <laughs> Weapon number one, divine revelation pulls stronghold down. If you want to attack a lie, you have to expose it to the truth. And the word of God is truth. Yeah. Every Sunday, your church attendance matters because you are what? Sitting underneath the word of what? Truth. So, well, Sundays don't matter. Every time you come to a Bible study, every time you come on a Sunday morning, the word of God is truth. You're submitting yourself under it. You're listening to it. You're going home and you're studying it. You're activating a weapon that destroys strongholds in your life. Can I just say this? What goes in always comes out. And so... This is how you protect your mind in two ways. Fill it with truth and guard it from garbage. Fill it with truth and guard it from garbage. Oh, this is going to be so unpopular and I love it. <laughs> By living according to your word. Wow. Mm. Some of us are battling impurities. Some of us are battling our thoughts. And we just don't know why. We've been praying and praying. I'm just like, well, wait a minute. Have you been studying and studying as well? John 17, 17 says, sanctify them by the truth. And then he says what? Your word is truth. I don't want to go too deep in this. You can go to the first podcast of Break In, right? The devotion to scriptures, and you can get this. So fill it with truth. Number two, guard it from, say, garbage. This is never a very popular point. You know, it's so vital, though. Can you ask yourself something, please? Here it is. What am I watching? And I honestly believe this with all my heart. 
our entertainment has more to do with our strongholds than we even like to give it credit for. Man, some of you have to cancel Netflix, I know. I'm kidding. I like my Netflix. But you know what entertainment simply means? It just means enter in and hold it there. That's what entertainment is. Number two, constant prayer or constant intercession. Constant intercession or constant prayer. You with me? Amen. Let me say something about prayer in general. Prayer prepares you. So you may not be going through something right now, but store up your prayers. You guys get that? You may, everything in your life might be smooth right now. Pray now so that when the storm comes, prayer has prepared you. Are you with me? So prayer prepares you. Um, prayer sustains you. So preparation is before the battle. Prayer is sustaining is what? In the battle. Sustains you. Can I tell you something powerful about prayer? In the battle, when you're in the fight, prayer is a great way. You're not reminding God, but you're telling your soul and you're reminding yourself that you are not in control. That this thing is too big for you, but that's okay because your God is bigger. So... Prayer is a way, you know, some of us in here, we carry that battle too much, don't we? The battle's, you know, the battle's the Lord's. It's not yours anyways. And so when you're not praying, you're carrying the stress of the battle too much. But prayer is a way to get down on your knees or wherever it is in your private spot. Say, all right, Lord, this thing has been weighing on me, but I'm just going to pray it and give it to you. And I'm going to trust that you're bigger than I am. Before the battle, in the battle, and victory over the battle is prayer. I'm going to continue to go through this quickly. Number three. Um, worship, but I like to call, you know, wartime worship. Amen. We have any wartime worshipers. You, you got, you ever see that worship face, right? There's like the blessed face, right? You just, or the love face. Like I love my Lord, you know? And then you ever see like the blessed face, right? That's who knows? Like, it's like, you know, tears and cries. Like we take pictures for Sundays and post on Facebook. Like, really? You had to catch me at that moment. And then there's a, a war worship. Which you're, some people might look at you while you're worshiping and think you're demonically possessed. And that's not what's going on. There's just a, a battle going on in, in, in your worship. And, and I want to say praise and worship in a way like prayer. It reminds the heart and the mind who is powerful and who is in control. Can I tell you a secret? Whoever or whatever we make a habit of magnifying in our lives will get, our, get the victory. Whoever or whatever we make a habit of making big in our lives, elevating in our lives, magnifying in our lives, will always get the victory. And so if you're magnifying the problem, if you're focusing on the issue or the individual and you're making them big, then of course that thing, that problem, that idol, that issue is going to get the victory. And so what prayer and worship does, it takes you off of the focus of magnifying the problem and it puts you into focus of magnifying your God who's bigger than your problem he's bigger than your problem he's bigger than your issue he's bigger than your addiction he's bigger than your sin his grace is enough number four 
This is a big time weapon right here. This is like a nuke, okay? There are all kind of nukes in spiritual warfare, but can I, number four, are you ready? And we're going through this quickly. We're, we're, I can see ourselves, we're kind of getting there. Number four, sacrificial love. Sacrificial love. I love, some of you sound like you're eating steak. You're like, mm. It's like a good meal. I appreciate that. This is a big time weapon, guys. Can I give you some words of advice? The temptation will always be to meet rebellion with truth. But truth without grace is religion. It's religiosity. And religiosity is not a divine weapon, but it's a weapon of the flesh. Are you guys with me here? This point is too key not to pass up. Divine weapons tear down strongholds, but if we fight spiritual battles with weapons of the flesh, instead of tearing the stronghold down, we'll actually make the stronghold stronger. Christians, are you with me? I can't tell you how many pastors, leaders, and parents, because they don't reflect the sacrificial love of Jesus, have only served to make their children harder and unbelievers more stubborn to the gospel because they didn't show grace. You were full of religion. Can I tell you, there are weapons of warfare that are mighty for pulling down strongholds, and then there are weapons of warfare that Satan wants to get you to use because it only strengthens the stronghold. One is religiosity. The other is condemnation, and another one is compromise. And this is a key point for you. Someone needs to hear this, and it's not too late to change. Because the enemy is telling you it's too late. You've already messed it up. That's a lie. Please hear this. When you are confronted by your child's strongholds. Or when you are confronted by a stronghold of someone that you love deeply. Here's what I want you to remember. The enemy's goal is to provoke you to respond to it in the flesh. But if instead you meet it with overwhelming love, you'll begin to drop spiritual nukes on that battlefield. Here is a good rule of thumb. Are you ready? Discern the attack. Respond in the spirit. Tear down a stronghold. Defensively react. Respond in the flesh. Strengthen the stronghold. That's too good. I had to say that again. Discern the attack, respond in the spirit, tear down the stronghold. Defensively react, respond in the flesh, strengthen the stronghold. I think you need an example. I called my sister and asked if I can give an example. I didn't call my mom and dad, but I'm just going to give it anyways. It's about two or three in the morning. You guys with me? And I don't know if I've ever told you guys this. I snuck through and I remember sitting down in a little, a little spot and I, I was listening to the interaction. And 
There was questions. There was tears. There was concerns because that was a crossroads that we can lose my sister in a lifestyle that we didn't want her to go towards. You know what I'm saying? You with me? She's young, drunk. Here's my parents. They're leaders in church, right? Doesn't look too good on the resume, right? And I remember listening in and as a child, and it is something that I'll always remember. Um, but something happened, and I wasn't sure what happened that night. But the next day, I think my sister slept for hours. <laughs> a little milk and bread. Um, you know, obviously we went on with our lives. And from that day on, I kind of, I just remember that moment. I don't even know exactly what's going on. I just remember it was a tense moment. Um, but from that point on, something changed in my sister and something just switched for her. And I remember later on revisiting a conversation with her and you want to know what she told me? She said that night that her parents, you know, some of us think religious people, you know, are going to do crazy things, but they didn't act in religiosity. But my mom and dad loved her, cried with her, forgave her, held her. She said, I don't know what I was expecting. I might have expected to get slapped. I might have been expected to get called names. I might have been expected to get condemned. And she said, when I came home, my parents met me with love. And she said, and, it, and she went back and the Lord began to do the work. And since that day, she never looked back. Can I say this? Can I say something? Let me say, I, 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 I'm, a, I'm putting them on the spot, but I really think you guys needed to hear this. Can I say something? Discern the attack. Are you with me? Discern the attack. Respond in the spirit. Tear the stronghold down defensively react respond in the flesh and strengthen the strongholds God is calling you men and women of God in here to put a mirror to your own actions in response to the strongholds and sins of those that you love and it's time for you to take responsibility on how you treat them and what you say and what you do and know that one of the most powerful weapons besides divine revelation, besides intercessory prayer and wartime worship is sacrificial love and forgiveness yeah. in that moment. Yeah. You guys with me? Last two, faithful obedience. I'm going to go quickly because my, my time's already up. Faithful obedience. Walk in obedience to his word, even when it feels or seems ineffective. Remember, the war is invisible. More damage is being done than you think. And every time you deny the flesh and walk in agreement with the spirit, regardless of how it looks or feels, you're contributing towards the victory. Number six, last one. I have to go through quickly. Total forgiveness. This is another nuclear weapon. Releasing someone from hurting you is not about letting them off the hook. It's about empowering you to break through. Wow. And 
I want to finish by discussing our last two questions. Gosh, I wish I had more time. I'm going to try to do this in 10 minutes. We get out here at 1130. Where did the war begin and what's the key to victory? Are you ready for this? Open to Genesis chapter 3. In fact, you don't even have to open there. I'm going to read this quickly. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. And here it is. It says this. Where did the war begin? Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the tree, or we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Are you ready? Because I'm going to give you a mouthful in like three minutes. Here we go. Uh, I'm not even going to breathe. The easy answer to this question, where did this war begin, is in the beginning. And it's here in the beginning where we'll make some important observations that will lead us to the key of victory. Here it is. First observation, number one, all spiritual warfare is waged against God's word. Notice the serpent only came to challenge God's word. Number two, second observation, Adam and Eve were faced with a test of choice. They had to decide, will they take God out of his word or will they entertain the serpent's wisdom? Third observation, number three, notice the serpent's tactics. Confusion, contradiction, temptation. Confusion, contradiction, temptation. Confusion, contradiction, and temptation. First, he confuses. Are you sure God really said that? Maybe you misunderstood what God is saying. I'm not sure. Maybe you don't understand how he worded it. He always starts with confusion. Are you ready? Number two. Second. Then he turns to contradiction. Come on. You won't die. It's not that serious. And finally, he finishes with temptation. You can be in control. You can be God. Here's a simple but life-giving truth. All Christian war warfare boils down to our willingness to trust and obey Christ. The goodness of Christ. That's what I want to say. All Christian warfare boils down to our willingness to trust and obey the goodness of Christ. Every sin and every stronghold answers no to these questions. Am I satisfied in Christ? Do I trust him enough to relinquish control? If I could just invite worship to come up real quick. So here's the key to victory, and we're done. Here's the key to victory. After Adam and Eve fell in the garden, after they disobeyed God's word and trusted the serpent, God declared war. Say that with me. God declared war war. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 14 says this, the Lord God said to the serpent, because you've done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. And then we're going to skip to verse 15. This is what God says. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. If you're struggling this morning with a stronghold or in warfare, I want you to be encouraged by this thought. The war was over the moment God declared war. The war was over the moment God declared war. And so when Satan came in and declared war on his word, God said, I'll declare war on you, Satan. And at the cross, Satan was stripped of all his power. Are you with me? If you are a follower of Christ, you may fight, but you fight from victory. 
Here's what you need to know. The cross may have bruised Jesus' heel, but it crushed the head of Satan. And I need you to know this. Satan is enraged. He still lingers today. But let me just speak this over your life. Jesus has already defeated him. Satan is a mortally wounded dragon whose head has been crushed, whose works have been destroyed, and whose destiny is sealed. This may sound odd to you, but when a Christian fights, we fight happily knowing that everyone who is in Christ has overcome the devil because Christ has overcome the devil. Everyone in Christ has overcome the world because Christ has overcome the world. Everyone in Christ has overcome the flesh because Christ has overcome the flesh. I love what John, 1 John, 5, uh, 1 John chapter 5, 1 through 5 says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and love his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God? I know I sped through that. Let's bow our heads.